Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is Break Bulk Americas with my friend Jeff Tucker. How's it going, Jeff? Going well. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. Jeff, I'm excited to talk to you about this topic. It's a conference coming up here, and uh, Jeff's uh, always involved in this conference. But before we do that, Jeff, please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today. Thanks. My name is Jeff Tucker. The company is Tucker Company Worldwide. We are uh, headquartered in Haddonfield, New Jersey, just outside of Philadelphia. And our company is the oldest privately held freight brokerage in the U.S. I'm, I'm actually third generation. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what they say about the third generation? It's a you know, 10% success rate. So we're, we're working our, our tails off to, to, to be in that 10%. But doing just fine. Yeah, it's funny you should say that. I just talked to Ben McLean over at Ruan Trucking. And Ben is not a, a Ruan, but he's married to a Ruan. And he's the CEO over there. And I had a long talk with him because he felt this desire to make sure that what the third generation has been given, that there's you add to that legacy and, and pass it to the fourth seamlessly. But that is unusual because, it, I, man, I can tell you, I worked for my dad's company right out of school. Now, it wasn't as successful as Tucker Company, but that's not easy because I lived at home. <laughs> that's yeah. It, 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 you know, you get to have turkey turkey dinner with the family, you know, Thanksgiving and, and get yelled at for work stuff at the same time. <laughs> we, we, we tried. We tried as hard as we could not to, or at least uh, my brother and I tried hard as we could not to talk business during the holidays, but my dad just couldn't resist. <laughs> anyway, so... You, you, you said you're the third generation, so that means your grandfather founded the business? Yeah, that's right. So what year did he find Tucker Co.? Six, 61. Yeah, he, he was 50 years old and took a chance on this bizarre thing called a property broker, what we now know as a freight broker license. So there was that was when it was still really heavy, heavily regulated, right? You couldn't do much of anything back in those days. Uh, you know, deregulation was 20 years off, and you could either move produce or heavy haul, high, wide, heavy, long, or all the above. So that's the heavy hauls a lot times on flatbeds, right? It's it's flatbeds or, or even, you know, specialized equipment. Yeah, like the, the low boys and all that. that. That is not easy. Yes. Some of the equipment that, that we're, you know, that we're utilizing, you know, our, 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 our partner carriers are, it, it could be the only piece of equipment in the in the whole country that could scale the weight or the length or, or, or what have you. I mean, it's, it's some of the things that we get involved with are, are just that big and complex. So you grew up in the Philadelphia area? I did, yeah. So you, when you and your brother were growing up, do you say, I, I can't wait till I'm old enough to work in the family biz? Is that what you're thinking? I, I just talking about this story i the first 10 years i was it was really painful you know uh, it was hard working for you know my, like my dad was a my dad founded the trade association the tia he was his his writings stand as tall as i do he he helped you know shepherd the industry through de- deregulation and you know trying to live up to that now i was like i'm six one he was five, seven, but he could <laughs> way taller than I did, uh, you know, in terms of his stature in the industry. So it was, it was tough, 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 tough. But, you know, now I love it. And 
those first 10 years that were, you know, super challenging. We actually had a family business psychologist work with us to like get out of the father, son, like, I, cause I told you so kind of yeah, stuff. I just actually recommended my uh, executive coach Ann Holmes did that on the podcast many times to a friend of mine who wants to transition his business to his son. Yeah. And um, I said, you know, all the all the father son dynamics come into play, but then there's also the business problems. And I said, and not easy. But anyway, you guys have put your mark on it. As you're a lot more than just heavy haul at this point. So, what does Tucker Co. specialize in now? Yeah, so we have kind of three big value props, I guess. And one of them, and there's a common thread. I'll, I'll get to the end, but one of them now is. Uh, is cold chain and in particular some of the high value stuff like pharmaceuticals one of the only brokerages in the country that some of the biggest names out there trust with their their prescription pharmaceuticals super high value security a whole nine yards very similar to what our roots are and that's that heavy haul since day one we still do that so kind of cold chain heavy haul we also do quite a bit of uh, cross-border Mexico, U.S. Oh God, you do all the hard stuff. <laughs> it's well, that's the that, that's the commonality. It's the stuff that uh, is really challenging, is detail oriented. You just cannot screw up in any way, shape, or form. And and um, you know we're an ISO certified company, so quality managed. And there's a procedure for everything. Procedures are audited. Customers audit us. We have about we host eight to twelve audits um, during COVID, they were kind of tabletop by by a zoom but they've re resumed in live where either pharma companies or whomever will come in and audit our procedures kind of make sure that we are who we say we are and we'll do what we commit to doing well i'll tell you you know before we hit record we were talking and talking about that cut above the harder freight and one of the things we all know large companies in this business even smaller companies, they can they can get in the mode of we we hire a ton of people, and young people right out of school, and it we're sales focused freight brokerage can be a very sales focused industry. So hey, you got to bang those phones, you got really good good at that, and then sometimes we have customer service or a team or an ops team behind them, but sometimes it's just hey, you figure it out right. And what are the requirements? You got to write down those requirements, which is different than. We have a process for managing cold chain, or we have a process for managing heavy haul, and because those are more difficult to move, and you know the the consequences of a bad load are pretty significant. And, you know, it reminds me years ago. This I'll tell my own bad story. Bad on me. And I normally did wouldn't go in for this kind of freight, but somebody said, "Hey, if you're lowest price, you can have this business." And I I won some business moving lottery tickets. Well, that's man, <laughs> that is regulated, I think, by the FBI. And so I remember they even said if if something goes wrong with this load and it's more than a day late or something like that, we're going to have to call the FBI. It's we're by law we have to do that. Well, of course, I got the lowest price. I'm looking for a carrier who will take that price. Found somebody who was uh, we had never worked with, but they were cheapest. And uh, sure enough. Got to talk to the FBI because that guy should have been there. Truck broke down, of course. Then they said they'd be fixed tomorrow. Wasn't, and it ended up being like two or three days late. And in the meantime, I already knew I was never getting that freight again. But I was thinking to myself, what do you expect when you say the lowest price has to win it? It's like you kind of asked for it. Yeah. It's like going to the doctor and say, hey, look, I know I need a heart surgery. I just... 
I don't want to break the budget with this one. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I'll give you two. I mean, we thrive on that that needle biting. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, nail biting. Uh, the uh, two 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 quick examples. One of them is uh, one of our customers has installed safety uh, devices at every major U.S. airport in in, in the country and, and some some outside the country. We have been the sole exclusive, you know, transportation. Some of those, like for San Francisco, were about 400 truckloads. Imagine going into a project where you've got to ship thousands of miles, right, cross country. You've got to you've got to uh, have all the drivers FBI checked and TSA checked uh, before you go in. And then, oh, by the way, you have these tiny little windows where they're going to shut a runway down, right? The, the penalties are just astronomical. The other one uh, I'll point to, uh, and that was about a 10-year project still going on. Uh, there's another one is we, we manage, we're an exclusive inbound transportation provider for several refineries around the country. And, you know, so when a turn, what they call turnaround happens, when they shut a portion of the refinery down for capital improvement, imagine a piece not showing up, a truck not showing up. A truck oh, no, I'm, I'm an automotive guy. And we used to, you know, when you talk about, changing over a plant you got a week or whatever it is to the next yeah and it, that's bad but go ahead and cut, shut down production for an hour and they'll tell you you know you cost us a million dollars right us a check the whole thing i i still haven't had an automotive guy on my podcast talking about who's had to pay, you know paid money but i know there's there's always that threat Anyway, let's switch gears for a second, Jeff. Um, so Break Bulk Americas, the it's a conference. And where's that conference at? It's in Houston, Houston, Texas. Very nice, very nice. And when is that? Oh, it's coming up. Uh, <laughs> just at the 26th through the 28th of this month. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So yeah. anyway, what is Break Bulk America? And, I'm, and I told you this before we hit record. Talk what first off, what is break bulk? Because I call bulk freight, you know, like grain, oil, anything that touches the side of the container it's moving in. I call that bulk. And and I guess when it comes off the ship, they call that break bulk. Is that my right to say that? Because that's where it gets divided up. Yeah. So I, I think it depends on your perspective. So my from from where I'm coming is the trucking perspective. So I call it heavy haul, overdimensional, specialized trucking. If you're a if you're a freight forwarder, you would probably call it, you know, project cargo or or break bulk. Yes, and and um, you know it's it's the it's generally speaking the uh, break bulk show, break bulk events, uh, and and they have them around the world, but this one's in Houston for the Americas. The break bulk events are kind of exclusive around the really big stuff. Okay. So I will also so we'll call this heavy haul break bulk because that's the or project cargo because project cargo. And by the way, we will we are I know there's companies like yours that probably already do this. A friend if at least the freight forwarders get involved is like moving assembly lines from China to Mexico or moving you said oil refiner equipment before we hit record. So that stuff is huge where you're shutting down the road, you gotta get an appointment, you gotta get a police escort, there's all sorts of permissions. So anyway. Think the biggest things that could possibly move with wheels beneath them. Yep. So, Break Bulk America, tell us a little bit about the event and your involvement. Yeah, no, we've been going for a number of years now. Uh, we're sponsors. We're big believers. And for us as an intermediary, right, we get, we get two things accomplished. All, all the best heavy haulers and specialized carriers are there on the floor for those three days, and it's uh, it's a great opportunity 
to meet face to face and look, this is, uh, they had it live last year, but boy, the anticipation and the buildup for this year, because it's really people have gotten out of their offices uh, and oh, yeah. homes again, the excitement is, is kind of overwhelming. So, so again, back for, for us, we get to see our carriers, but then we get to see our customers and prospective customers, the freight forwarders that move, uh, you know, freight all over the world, some of the specialized um, water um, born uh, carriers are there. So it's really, it's a combination of everyone. And it's really a tiny little world that we all live in, in this break bulk world. Right. But uh, it's the one chance, one, two chances a year that we, we all have to sort of get together and, and, and talk about what, what happened, what's happening, what's going to be happening soon. So give me some examples of that, that bulky stuff, that heavy haul stuff. What, what would be some industries that are reliant on that? Well, the, in big, heavy construction, right, when, if you're building a power plant, you're building a, a, an oil refinery, you're building a, you know, the biggest stuff that's built, there's a general contractor for that, and, and they're called EPCs, Engineering, Procurement, and, and, and Construction, EPC. And they build the biggest stuff in the world, right? So they're, they're a main customer, so to speak, a main shipper uh, in, in the carrier lingo. Oil and gas companies or energy companies, right, in general. So you'll see some of the oil, uh, you know, big oil names there. But then you'll also see on the, on, the, on the clean energy side, you'll also see those manufacturers who might move some of those, uh, you know, the wind. Yeah, the turbines are huge, right? Turbines are, yeah, super long and, you know, multiples at, at, at the same time kind of thing. So you'll see those. It's really a kaleidoscope of industry, aerospace, right, the, the large engines. Do you also move a lot of like industrial machinery? We do. We do. We move, uh, we move freight for NASA. <laughs> it's uh, NASA is another one. And, and, some, and of course now space has become, you know, private space as well. So you'll see some of those folks. Right. And, it, and I know there's challenges every step of the way when you're moving that heavy haul stuff, but I've been involved in that construction stuff a little bit. And when you're doing a delivery to an oil refinery or to you could be out in the middle of nowhere and it's not you're not going to a traditional receiving dock sometimes you're going to a build site or an oil refinery where hey come on out and same with construction sites and one of the the things i've noticed in that is they'll say yep talk to jeff he's uh he, he's the guy in charge there and then you get there and jeff's you know four miles away doing something else and you know you can't get a hold of him and <laughs> it's it's very different and very, much harder. It's it yeah it, it, it's it's pretty complicated. You know, since you mentioned oil refinery, there are usually you know as many as four or five different operations groups within. Right, you'll have turnaround team, you'll have a capital goods team, you have procurement team, you'll have field engineers, and you really have to know who ordered the piece. But yeah, when you get into a let's say an established refinery, the speed limit is well for you. Oftentimes, you've got to have a TWIC card, transportation workers ID card, or or more. But the speed limit's you know four miles an hour because you've got to thread through right. the the refinery itself, and you you clip one of those pieces, and you got a major major problem. Oh so God, yeah, it's it's complicated from from pickup to delivery and even out the refinery doors. Right. I wanted you to describe one of those in just a minute, but it, I got to tell you this, and maybe you can touch on the price when we we get to that example. But a friend of mine, he's not a logistics guy. He called me and he goes, God almighty, Joe, I'm there's work with this turnaround and 
they, they're losing money. And he goes, and I think one of the reasons is um, just their costs are so high on some of these things. And he said, there is a move, a logistics move that's over a hundred thousand dollars. And I said, well, what is it? He goes, oh, it's, and it was, I won't mention the product, but it was huge stuff. And I said, well, I can tell you someone who might give you a quote. I go, but you know, usually if you find somebody who's does it well, you don't quote that stuff around because it is that difficult. And you say, yeah, I can find somebody else, but will they get it done? Do they have the experience? Do they have the expertise? Have they... And and I don't want you learning on my dime when I move something that expensive. So you, I'm, so I'm imagining you're used to some of those massive bills where somebody says, "Yeah, it is what it is." I mean, here's my cost. I'll break it down for you. Yeah, you know, it, it, the, the larger, heavier, wider these things are, the more complexity. I mean, you're talking about some, you know, some pieces that that there might only be one carrier with one piece of equipment. And and they built it eight or ten years ago for a project, and they yeah they just been kind of keeping it in the yard, right? And but then you know finding the equipment might be the easiest part of all. Now you've got to have a driver that knows how to move that equipment, and 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 not just move it you know a little bit, but navigate a a route that's prescribed by four, five, six different states. Sometimes it involves a you know, maybe certain roads can't be traversed or bridges can't be crossed. Oh, yeah. And you've got, you know, barges that you've got to utilize along the way, cranes at each at each step, sometimes police escorts, you know, pole trucks to lift the, the wire so that, you know, that you can, cl- the, the, the complexity that goes into some of these loads is just uh so you gotta have a planning meetings and and there, so there's probably weeks of preparation for these before you even move it so we call it like you know you mentioned a hundred thousand that's very easily a, a achieved in in this kind of world but you know we've seen you know five six seven hundred thousand dollar shipments when all said and done and in some cases uh i know some certain shippers depending on the decisions that they've made and and i'm talking about maybe poorly advised uh, decisions end up paying, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in fines. Right. So, well, you drop that machine off, you're going to pay millions. right? Yeah. Or, 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 or let's say you just left off the, uh, the, the cost for police escorts by accident. Right. And then the police come back and they charge you, you know, quarter million dollars after the project is over that you weren't expecting. So that's why it's really so important to get all that stuff right up front. And then also anticipate a little bit of a buffer in there because you're always, almost always going to have overages. So the things you just didn't think of or, or, or you couldn't possibly have. Right. So you mentioned before we hit record, you were starting to mention um, one of the shipments that you guys did that had to go by ship because that was that big and it had part of its journey had to be the ship before it went by truck. So talk a little bit about one of those complicated projects. Yeah, there, there's one in particular that, that that stands out because again it was had to do with planning. We had planned this all out, high wide. It was going to be going through or somewhere close to a major city. There's a water uh, as as well nearby, and uh, we said, "Gosh, it needs to go water." But here's a special routing for truck. The customer said, "Hey, my my supplier says they can do it cheaper, and they didn't need that special routing." And we just said, "Gosh, you know." We really don't think that's true. 
we've been through this and, uh, but you know, if that's what they think they can do and that's a major savings, you, you kind of have to go with it. So they went with it. And then a few weeks later, they called us and said, Hey, our supplier realized they were wrong. They read the plans wrong. The equipment they, they thought could handle it couldn't. The routing was incorrect. We need you guys badly. Well, unfortunately, those couple of weeks, there was a storm brewing in the Gulf. And so we, we got the look, we, we, we said, look, you know, the closer you get to hurricane season, the, 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 the more touch and go this is. A, a hurricane comes up the Gulf. The barge got to the port just in time. Levees in, in, in the port of New Orleans were beginning to close and and the access to get out of the port area was closing down. We had an inch on both sides of this last kind of entry exit to get in. And this is a super load. This is a 15 feet wide load, right? So again, planning and knowing who you're dealing with and knowing this is not a time to cut corners or like go for the yeah, like for those for those people who decided to go with the other supply and then eventually had to come back to you and they had to pay an extra ten percent because you were pissed at them. I, I... No, no, we <laughs> we, we, we kept everything. Oh, no, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it, well, the the issue. You're a good man. <laughs> the issue could have been that uh, those those levees stayed closed for days. The 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 the, the timing of that shipment became so urgent because everything they planned on on the other side of their supplier side of things just kind of fell through and they had to scramble. So they almost lost their window of getting this super crucial piece in place, which would cost hundreds of thousands, maybe millions more. Yeah. And if you look at like an oil refinery, automotive, you know, industrial product where they're, you know, an automotive where they're pumping out, they'll consider a lost day, sometimes a million dollars or more. Yeah. more. And, and, and they'll mention it. <laughs> so, Anyway, let's switch you guys back to Breakbulk. So how long is this Breakbulk America? How long have you guys been doing this conference? That I don't know. It's been going on quite some time. Well, you said your dad was involved, so I know it's a long time ago. Yeah, my dad's been involved in a lot of things, you know, but he, he founded a trade association, but uh, not this not this organization. This is run by the, the magazine publisher of Breakbulk. And, um, you know, it's been going on a long time. Again, it is the premier you know, specialized heavy hauling. So is this just heavy haul from domestic or is this also involve heavy hauls like from overseas? So they have a break bulk Asia. They've got a break. Right. They've got them all over the world. I saw that, but I'm just wondering, do you guys get involved with stuff that's moving by the ocean? We we do. We're an NVO and a freight and ocean forwarder, but primarily our, our, our our meat and potatoes, so to speak, are, uh, is, um, North America surface transportation. So we'll work with we, a lot of our clients are freight forwarders. So we'll work with them on the ground here in the U.S. for international shipments, international moves. Or the uh, you know the 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 freight forwarders usually are you know the excuse me the overdimensional usually coming by by ocean. But you know there are I guess times, so. <laughs> well, there there are times where you know the uh, some of these things do move by uh, air cargo. Yeah. So, so what do you guys, when you go to these conferences, obviously there's speakers, are there breakout sessions? I mean, what are, what are some of the areas that are covered when you're in at Breakbulk? Yeah. So the one that I, I, you know, it's open to, you know, business owners and, and, and managing directors. I, I, I enjoy is the, uh, the executive session. It's on the first day, but then uh, all on the floor, they all actually on the floor, they've got a, a room set up and there's workshops like all throughout the three days. And, you know, 
pretty much whatever your interest, there's going to be a topic uh, covering it in, in those workshops. Sometimes they're panel discussions. So that's on the floor. Then there's some, there's some workshop. There's, I believe there's a, like an intro, uh, a um, introduction uh, to, to, you know, to, to break bulk and project cargo for, for newer folks to the industry. So there's also, which, um, so I, I was chairman of my trade association, the TIA for a couple of years. And, and on they've board. been on the podcast. Great organization. Yeah. They're, they're, they're awesome. That, that was the organization my dad both founded. Oh, nice. But what I've noticed over the years is our board, we just came out of a board meeting yesterday. Our board is uh, at least 50% female. And, and you see that just about everywhere else. Breakbulk's one of the last, you know, places that I, I don't necessarily see that. And rail, another place where you don't see that. So what I love about uh, what Breakbulk is doing is I think they probably recognize that as well. And they're have, they have a, uh, they're encouraging, you know, more women participation in, in, in the leadership area with, with the women in Breakbulk uh, session. So I, I, I love you know, you know, I've mentioned this before on my podcast, labor, the labor shortage is here and it's here to stay. I am one of the youngest baby boomers as we age out, not, not me, of course, other old people, <laughs> as, as they leave the generation right behind them is not nearly as big. So we're going to have a labor shortage. I mean, it's going to be very severe. And by the way, that demographic bubble is bursting in many places. This war in Ukraine and Russia couldn't come at a worse time because you're losing young men. And that was that's 18 to 30. They can't afford to lose. Neither side, obviously, death's horrible. But the demographic collapse is happening in that region. It's happening in China. It's happening here. But we, we'll, we'll be okay here because we did have ch- children after World War II. And we can have immigrants here. People want to come here. But I th- notice this. Every industry you say doesn't have women or doesn't have men. If we don't have them, there's a shortage. So we talk about teacher shortage. Well, traditionally men haven't taught more and more now than ever before probably. But in trucking, we have a shortage. Why? We can't get women to do that job. So we're going to have to do a better job of attracting everybody to the industry, including women, minorities, people who traditionally wouldn't be in trucking, who traditionally wouldn't look to logistics as a profession they want to be in. And um, we, we have to make it more attractive. And I think organizations are taking a lead on that and i love it yeah no it's it's crucial to, to your point there's uh, you know the demographic the the, the bar charts are, are are pretty depressing after the baby boomers and and baby boomers are are beginning to leave right? one way or the other yep yep so the conference coming up here are you speaking at the conference i i believe uh, i have an interview scheduled at the conference so. Very nice. What are you going to talk about? That is up to them. I'll find out uh, on the fly. Uh, with- you'll, be t- you'll be talking about heavy haul. And, you know, it's it, and it's interesting. You mentioned project cargo or heavy haul. It, it's funny. When I hear break bulk, I mentioned early on, I, I wasn't exactly sure what you guys were talking about. Because sometimes I hear break bulk is like, hey, this is when we empty out a, a container and we have to kind of figure out where everything's going. I've heard people use that term break bulk for that. And but I think what you guys are doing is project cargo and project cargo is this project is the cargo that really is a project. It's not, hey, pick up today and drop off through two days from now. It's weeks and weeks and is it, is it weeks or is it months of planning before you can move that freight? It, it, it could be both. You know, oftentimes you start with blueprints and during the manufacturing process, the piece might grow, right? Because somebody needed to add a, a you know, a fitting or a valve or, 
or a whole component that wasn't originally discussed. So you've got to stay close every step of the way. And, and in some cases, it could be over a year in planning. Some cases, it could be just, you know, hey, we've got this shipment coming up in a couple of, you know, a couple of months, right? So it's, it's all of it, everything in between. I was talking to someone, this is years ago, and they were moving an assembly line from China to Mexico. And you go, oh, well, that's a lot of work. Well, probably the most important part is we have to take this assembly line apart and in a way that we can reassemble it down in Mexico. And if you're based in the United States, you say, well, how do I make that happen? You have to find somebody who specializes in that kind of freight who says, don't worry, we will get somebody in China to disassemble, pack this properly get it on. And and a lot of companies shy away from that kind of business because they're like, oh, I don't, I don't have that expertise. And the, 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 doing it wrong means I might lose an assembly line or I set it up wrong when I get it down to Mexico. That is huge business. And the same with, you know, as I mentioned, if you're moving something extremely big that costs millions of dollars and months to make, <laughs> a little da- a little damage hey a little we we just dinged your nuclear equipment a little bit your hey will your propeller will your uh, turbine work the same it's got this nick in it it's only a f- foot long <laughs> yeah so the, the the folks that do that work on on either end are, are riggers right and and overpacking companies will help you know to 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 ensure that those pieces are or those parts are secure and and packaged properly for so you know the we we deal with riggers sometimes. Um, oftentimes the riggers not in charge of the transportation, but they're in charge. No, I, of right. You, you you contract with them. Yeah, yeah. You know, and their work is just because, as you say, uh, you know, imagine uh, you know the 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 part for you know parts for the first phase of installation are on the second shipment that's right. not that's on the next ship, right? So these are you know the planning is just. It has to be exceptional. Yep. So anyway, let's wrap this bad boy up. But before we go, I want to know, well, first off, I'm going to ask you a little bit about the industry. What do you think is next for this industry? Because I, I see so much happening with, I mean, we're going to do more infrastructure projects here. We're moving a lot of stuff from China. I know that we hear nearshoring. When somebody says we're doing nearshoring, that means at some point, somebody's going to call Tucker Co and say, help me move some stuff home. So Talk a little bit about the future of the industry and then also uh, what's the future for Tucker? Yeah. So, you know, I think the future for Tucker is bright because we're, we're you know, again, involved in that healthcare life science and, and that business is nice, nice and growing the cold chain. But relative to this space, we just passed the U.S. just passed the largest infrastructure bill, you know, in history. And, you know, there's which means bridges will be constructed or re, remade or fixed. Yeah, new, new roads. something has to happen to those bridges. I walk by them sometimes and you're like, what the hell? Yeah, no, there's, you know, it wasn't that long ago that there were literally thousands of rivets missing in one of the, one of the major Philadelphia bridges, engineering friend told me, but they, they had decided that it was not a danger. <laughs> I, was, I don't want any thousands of rivets missing. But... Yeah, and a million cars a day driving over it. <laughs> exactly. But like really 100, 100, 110 billion for roads and bridges. You know, that's it's just this is maybe double, almost double the size that this country's ever had in this country. And, and it's probably still not enough. But but essentially, our infrastructure is where a lot of, you know, a lot of the 
project cargo, a lot of the heavy haul, a lot of the flatbed. That's a little outside flatbed's a little outside breakfall, but still related industries. So it it things airports are going to be updated, you know. So there's there's a lot of big stuff that just got funding. Yeah. And that you mentioned the infrastructure. That's not even including kind of it we're we're talking about the change in energy, getting away from coal and natural gas or gas oil. I know my senses will stay with oil for a while, but we're we're talking about new energy sources like the wind turbines. We're talking about new energy sources like uh, electric. Our electric uh, systems are going to have to be upgraded, and I think at some point we'll be building nuclear also. So there is, and all that stuff has enormous parts to it, and that can't be damaged and can't be compromised. Yeah, and 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 uh, to your point, I think that you're right. At least what we're seeing in in with Russia invading Ukraine and 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 the dependence on on these fossil fuels. I think nuclear might actually uh, and there's a lot of talk that that might be on the table again and and uh, maybe not a bad idea for the environment. I I, I heard um, I think it was Bill Gates talking about it and you know somebody's going to say Bill Gates tried to kill you with COVID but I don't think he did. I don't think he cares enough. <laughs> but but I heard him talk about it and said you know nuclear is a really safe option. It is a clean option. And it really got a bad rep with uh, the some of the accidents. I threw Three Mile Island and the stuff in Chernobyl. <laughs> but even with those, those weren't massive uh, fatality incidents. So anyway, what I'll do, Jeffrey, is I'll put a link to Breakbulk, whatever. I know they gave me a few links to put in the show notes. So anyone who wants to go out and see Jeffrey and all the other Breakbulk guys, and I'll throw in their Project Cargo Heavy Haul, because that's what I would call a lot of this. But the pros are calling it Breakbulk. And... You definitely, I think half the half the people on my podcast live in Texas, so they can get there. They don't need to fly. Well, although I don't know if the Dallas people probably fly down to Houston these days. <laughs> yep. So the conference is the 26th through the 28th, and I'll put a link to this. I'll also put a link to your company and your LinkedIn profile so people can bother you there. And Jeffrey, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. That was my pleasure. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Yep. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.